advantage of the day. Okay. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. Yeah. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Defending the Kingdom as we break down the class of 2023, uh, the draft class. Mitch Holtis with you, the voice of the Chiefs, along with senior team reporter Matt McMullen. And, of course, Defending the Kingdom is brought to you by Ticketmaster. Very soon, the schedule will be released, and Ticketmaster may become your new best friend <laughs> because it will be, honestly, the greatest home schedule in the history of GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium and maybe uh, in the history of the franchise. But that's for another time. On this edition of Defending the Kingdom, we get to look back at what was a magnificent week of Kansas City hosting the 2023 draft and then look at the members of the 2023 draft class. Matt, before we dive into the class, we need to talk about just how awesome the, the entire week was. It started Monday. There were events um, morning, afternoon, and evening. I remember I, told, I saw Coach Reed Thursday night. And I thought it feels like Super Bowl week because there's so much stuff happening before it happens, like I was like exhausted Wednesday night, but it was just so thrilling to see the entire week and the epicenter of the Chiefs Kingdom, Kansas City, come alive for the world to see. It was so cool. And we had a chance to walk the site on Tuesday, I believe, and kind of see the entire thing. And I was frankly blown away by it. I knew it would be cool. Of course, Kansas City's going to do a great job. But really being there, and for those of you that had a chance to be there and experience it, it was just something else, something else entirely, just an amazing, special, unforgettable experience uh, here in Kansas City. I really think it was the best draft there's ever been. Uh, I have a feeling Kansas City's going to get a chance to do this again uh, based on the, the showing that they had uh, here last weekend and it was just amazing and for Clark Hunt to come out with a Lombardi trophies uh, to close out the first round and to announce Felix Enudike Uzama coming to the Chiefs a Kansas City kid it couldn't have been written uh, any better we joked around that if this was like draft day the movie two and that was like the <laughs> script we'd be like okay sure that would never sure. happen it all happened in real life and it happened in our town so I'm very prideful to be a Kansas City in right now and uh, we, we really showed the world what Kansas City is all about. It's like Super Bowl 57. You can't make this up. You could not make up the script that was the 2023 NFL draft. I'll just give you a personal moment if I can be in. Saturday was so beautiful. It was just this beautiful day. I was just saying a prayer of thanks for it. We had Felix on on the bus. We had Dante Hall, the newest member of the Kansas City Chiefs Ring of Honor. We heard from Clark Hunt. Uh, and then Felix talked, but it was all done. You and I were going to race back here to uh, do our draft coverage, but I stopped for a minute, and I saw my wife, who was with my two granddaughters and my son. Uh, my daughter-in-law had to be on call, but they took off and walked for the, toward the stage. They're going down the berm, and I saw all these families and all these kids having the best day of their lives, like what it would be like to be 10 years old. And, you know, I lost my mom in 2016, but I just sat there thinking my mom would be taking me down the berm and I would be like my granddaughter, Cora, is nine years old, who did not want to leave. <laughs> it was the end of the day. They're all tired. She goes, I just want to stay for more of this. And it was just an awesome moment of families and a celebration. It was such a beautiful day, the skyline behind the stage. And then to see in the three days of the draft, just like the, the World War I Museum was backlit from the stage when they, the selections were made with the colors of the teams and their logos. That was just like something extra. The poppies on the Liberty Memorial made such an impact with everybody who visited. 
it was just beyond spectacular. And it's cool that you mentioned your granddaughter because I think for a lot of kids, this will be their first memory of what it's like to be a football fan. <laughs> you and I are obviously entrenched in this. Anyone listening to this podcast already loves football. But for people who are 8, 9, 10 years old, that was their first introduction to football, and they're going to love it for the rest of their lives. And what a cool first memory to have uh, when you're thinking about the Kansas City Chiefs and hopefully lots of more memories to come here. And a great class of 2023 that we want to break down, these seven humans. But before we do that, let's take our trip around the world, a defending the kingdom tradition. Let's do it. Just for today. Perfect. Four people around the for country. For Chad Henney. You know what? <laughs> yes. Chad Henney, recently retired Chad Henney. He of the 98-yard touchdown drive against Jacksonville, and he <laughs> of the uh, pass that beat the Cleveland Browns in the divisional playoff game in earlier playoff lore. Chad Henney. A tip of the kingdom cap to you, a taste of the nectar. Well done, great career. Yeah, Chad Henney sees a crucial moment in a divisional playoff game and says, this is all you got. This is, <laughs> this is no big deal. I can do this in my sleep. Uh, we've got Landon. He's representing Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah, kingdom uh, hotbed. So many Omaha fans were at the draft, came up and said hi. Just a couple hours away. I'll be there later in the week. Steve is in Denver, Iowa. You ever, you ever been to Denver, Iowa? I've not been to Denver, Iowa. He's been a loyal fan since getting Ed Podolak's autograph in the 70s. Ooh. Yeah. Is it near Atlantic, Iowa, the hometown of Ed, one, the aforementioned Ed Podolak? I did not map it. I'm not sure. We'll have to no, find out. Have to Steve, let us know where Denver, Iowa is. Uh, Bob is in Unionville, Missouri. He's a loyal listener. And Russ is in Wichita, another loyal listener. So many Wichita fans, too, that came up during the three days of the draft that came here. Yeah. Again, it was a great... Uh, kingdom event and and then to see the other teams right so all, my grand all 31 besides us were there yeah yeah so my son and his two daughters and and my wife were how long would it take them to get all 32 teams took them a while a couple hours they, they the washington commanders was the last one on their list they were in and then all of a sudden like three commander fans showed up within five minutes it was interesting mick schaefer you know, who's the sports anchor of KSHB, our television partner, Channel 41. It took him 28 minutes <laughs> to find all 32 teams. That's amazing. Yeah, it was awesome. And it's so cool how people from all over the country travel for this. I saw one person on Twitter compared it to the NFL's version of Coachella. It's, <laughs> it's like a giant party and a celebration. It's kind of like a big festival, and everyone just loves the NFL. And there's no football on right now, but it's a chance to come to Kansas City and just talk about football, wear your jersey, and have a great time. So it was so much fun. I'm exhausted. Like, I don't think we slept at all the entire weekend, but uh, the Chiefs got better, uh, and it was a great showing for Kansas City. Let's jump into this episode. We'll call it the Class of 23. Uh, we spent a whole, the last episode, on the Chiefs' first-round pick, the 31st pick of the draft, and, yes, Kansas City native Lee Summit Tiger from Lee Summit High School and the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year from Kansas State, the Big 12 champions, Felix Enyaduke Uzama. Uh, we won't spend a lot of time on it because you can go back and we kind of broke him down. But to be with him again on Saturday morning was awesome. But when you look at Felix, this was made to be, um, meant to be, I should say, a dream come true for Felix. But this is a really good football player, and I'm just excited about him growing together with George Karlathis. Yeah, it's really two parts. First of all, it's obviously a great story, as you mentioned. Casey Kidd, I looked at a photo earlier today of him at the stadium with his arms stretched out as like a 10-year-old. 
and then he redid the photo when he was here just a few days ago. What a cool thing for a Kansas City kid. Grew up watching the Chiefs, loving the Chiefs, and now he gets to play for the Chiefs as a first-round pick. It's so cool. That's just part of it, though, because he's also a really good player who's deserving of this selection. Just an awesome player at K-State, the 2022 Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. Tons of production. Uh, over the last two seasons, he had 19 and a half sacks and 25 and a half tackles for loss. A lot of times you see players drafted early on that have great traits and they never really put it together in school. And You hear all about, hey, we're going to get the best out of this guy. We have to unlock him. Well, Felix was productive in school and he has those traits. So I love that he was productive and he also finishes. Lots of players have all the pressures but can't finish them with sacks. Uh, well, he had 89 pressures over the last two years. 21 of those ended as sacks. So Felix, uh, just a really exciting player at six foot three, 255 pounds. He has great power and strength, but also speed off the edge. And Pro Football Focus called him one of the bendiest pass rushers in this entire class. So I'm super pumped about getting Felix at 31 overall. He's a ball hawk. He's got a little Frank Clark in him. He's a ball hawk. Eight forced fumbles in two seasons. Uh, and then would take over a game. He had four sacks, originally six sacks against TCU his junior year. They switched it to four on a bit of a technicality. But just suffice it to say, this is not a proprietary pick. This isn't a provincial pick. This wasn't, oh, the Chiefs are in Kansas City. They're going to pick a Kansas City guy. This was right where Felix was on most boards across the league, right at that 31st pick. And what's funny is on Wednesday, and really all week, I was making these packets, like these draft packets for all these different players because we live-streamed our pick. So we found out who we were picking live with everyone else. So we kind of had to prepare ahead of time, and hopefully I have a packet for one of these players. Well, I made packets all day Thursday for any possibility of who we could end up with, like 40 of them. Well, I made Felix's packet like on Monday. It's right here with all this stuff. <laughs> it was like one of the first ones I made. So really, I just wasted all that time making all these packets because, of course, we were going to take Felix. He was the guy all along and can't wait to see what he can do with George Karloftis on the other side. And don't forget about Charles Aminihu, who signed with the Chiefs in free agency. He's kind of a defensive end, defensive tackle hybrid player with great length and size. By adding Felix, all of a sudden, it gives the Chiefs a ton of flexibility to bounce him inside a lot, talking about Charles Aminihu. So I'm super excited about the depth the Chiefs have on the defensive line. We'll have a lot of young athletic players uh, who are going to create a lot of problems for opposing offenses this season. Concerns, we broke his hand on the last play of the Sugar Bowl against Alabama. And watch how many times Alabama double teamed him in the Sugar Bowl. It tells you what they <laughs> thought of him. Uh, then he, he missed, like 16 months ago, he missed spring ball at K-State. He had a little minor knee surgery, but he's ready to go. We'll just see how much he participates this week in the rookie minicamp. All right, let's go to the second-round pick, Rasheed Rice. We have not had a chance to dive into these guys, uh, but Rasheed Rice, and I, I put it out on Twitter, when you and I were looking at Juju Smith kind of guys, um, and, and you got to be careful to look for the, oh, who's the exact Juju uh, Smith-Schuster replacement uh, for the Chiefs in this draft class. But when you look at size, the 41-inch vertical jumps off the page, the 16 contested catches. So Rasheed Rice, you can see why the Chiefs took him in the second round. I like Rasheed Rice a lot. He's one of the guys I highlighted in my pre-draft coverage when I talked about receivers uh, way back in March. He's six foot one, 204 pounds. Big-time explosion with this guy. Uh, he had a 41-inch vertical at the Combine. It was among the best among all receivers at the Combine. Coming off a huge season at SMU last year, he caught nine 
96 passes for 1,355 yards, 10 touchdowns, one of only three players with at least 1,300 yards through the air last season. He led the nation in average receiving yards per game with 113. And the thing with him is his body control. It's off the charts. He can go up and contort his body to make all kinds of contested catches. He had 16 contested catches last year, 18 catches on throws of 20 or more air yards that led the FBS. So deep downfield, he's going up and getting the football. Uh, He's also dangerous after the catch, though. Uh, He racked up 19 broken tackles after the catch last season. And assistant general manager Mike Borgonzi, uh, back after we drafted him on Friday, and Brett Veach actually earlier today on Monday, they both mentioned that he's like a running back in the open field once he has the football. A lot of the other receivers in this draft, more of the pure speed guys, sure, they're really fast, but they're really not that dangerous after the catch in terms of running guys over. Rasheed Rice is. So I expect him to be a physical possession receiver in Kansas City. He can be a fade guy, but also a guy over the middle who can make those tough contested catches and then break a few tackles on his way to the end zone. Yeah, but you look at the 2013 to now with the Andy Reid era, the Chiefs really haven't had the let's just throw it up and go get it guy. No. At wide receiver, and this is really the first one they've had. Now, go back, though, to a couple episodes and understand the challenges Rasheed has. Now, the fact that here's the iPad, there's 700 plays, (laughs) and in this offense, you're not just an X receiver. X receiver. So he'll have to learn – the entire route tree, precision in that tree, working with Patrick Mahomes, and then sometimes lining up in the slot. Well, he's not a slot receiver, but think about how Andy Reid uses his imagination. So those are things that our fans have got to be a little bit patient here with Rasheed Rice and why starting with rookie minicamp all the way up until the end of training camp, he is going to be challenged mentally to get this offense down and asked to do things that SMU, frankly, didn't ask him to do. That's also why what you said about not being a direct replacement for Juju Smith-Schuster is so important to emphasize because Juju is an established receiver in this league who's been around, who's been around different coaches and really established himself as a professional receiver. We have a lot of high hopes for Rasheed Rice, and so does the front office, but you can't expect him to come in right away and duplicate that kind of production from a veteran player. But the talent is there, the traits are there, and frankly, the production was there at SMU. So I know the front office is really excited about this player, and like you said, it's up to him now to attack rookie many camp attack OTAs attack training camp and let's see what we've got here when the season rolls around let's jump into the next pick and again defending the kingdom we proudly tell you is brought to you by Ticketmaster great concerts coming up uh, this summer too at GEA in uh, in August and GEHE Field at Arrowhead Stadium Ticketmaster can get you uh, handled with those rarely and maybe the first reference really in defending the kingdom history of boys to men (laughs) you think so here it is the famous tenor of boys <laughs> to men is called Wanye Morris. The Chiefs pick in the third round is Wanye Morris. He's not the tenor from boys to men, but this young man is named after him. Offensive tackle at the University <laughs> of Oklahoma, started his career at the University of Tennessee. Great size. When you look at what he's done, basically two-thirds of his starts were at left tackle and the other third at right tackle. Could immediately plug in as a swing tackle, a third tackle, a tackle option when you begin the season. Very athletic. But Wanye Morris uh, taken here with looking at the upside. Maybe, again, not a plug-and-play right-away guy, but someone who uh, Chiefs are excited about his future. One thing that I do when I look at players in the pre-draft process is because not everything is apples to apples, right, with different conferences and 
competition and everything. It's difficult in college to evaluate a guy and know exactly what you're going to get. But one thing you can do is you can say this guy has certain traits that are not coachable. You cannot teach six foot five, 307 pounds with great length and athleticism. You can't teach those things. God gives you those things. And the other things that you can teach are technique, consistency, stuff like that. And that's what we're seeing here with Wanye Morris, where is he a perfect prospect? No, but he has great size, great length, great athleticism and experience at both left and right tackle. Like you said, 19 starts at left tackle at Tennessee from 2019 to 2020, playing next to Trey Smith, and eight starts at right tackle at Oklahoma in 2022. So he already has that experience and that flexibility to play both tackle spots, and now just get him with Coach Heck, who's one of the best offensive line coaches in the NFL. He can get him refined on those things like his consistency, uh, his technique, and then maybe you have something. But I'm very excited about the traits this young man has, and I think he has a chance to compete for some real reps here in Kansas City. The thing that excites me about Wanye Morris, and takes me back to my brother, when I was a ninth grader going into Smith Center High School, you're, when your brother's a senior, that can be a good thing and a bad thing, <laughs> right? But you had a big brother show you where to go, what to do. Trey Smith is Wanye Morris's big brother. Big time. And then he transferred to OU because of the coaching change at Tennessee. It wasn't you know anything else. He went there because of the coaching change. And then Creed Humphrey was at OU. So the fact that you have these two big brothers basically waiting for you. You mentioned technique. He's got to work on some things as we uh, kind of reviewed his video. But to have Trey Smith with him to say, here's the culture, here's what you do, here's what you don't do, and here's what we're going to work to make you a National Football League starting tackle, whether that's left or right, um, and working with our room. I think that's such a big deal here for Wanya Morris because there's so much uncertainty. Hey, and, and all of a sudden – He's walking in as a freshman, so to speak, and he's got a senior big brother. And what's cool is Trey is the right guard here in Kansas City, but he was the left guard at Tennessee, and Wanye was the left tackle at Tennessee when they were there together. So they legitimately played next to each other uh, for two seasons. So these guys know each other. They know how uh, they think. They know how they move. And so much of offensive line play is trusting the guy next to you, knowing what is this guy going to do? How is he going to handle this assignment? And these two guys already have that experience together from years past. So I think that's a big advantage and a big benefit uh, for Wanye, and I can't wait to see how he develops here, but it certainly helps having a buddy already in Trey Smith. So Siri, play anything from boys to men, and you'll <laughs> get a, a little flavor of the uh, third-round pick for the Chiefs. Let's take the next pick. And I'm excited about this guy as well. A safety, uh, Chamari Connor of Virginia Tech. When you look at his uh, durability there, went through a coaching change. Justin Fuente uh, was there early. That's who recruited him. But 48 starts to end his career at Tech. That is a Virginia Tech ACC record, uh, which tells you when you look at the great players that have come out of Tech and the great defenders that have come out of Virginia Tech. Go back to the vertical, a 40-and-a-half-inch vertical. A lot of safety. He's got the versatility to play some slot. Here's what I really get excited about. And this is we're starting a series of picks now, three of the next four, where I think the Chiefs can get back to being ornery on special teams. This is a guy, remember, Virginia Tech and K-State were thought to be the two best special teams colleges in the Power Five group. Block kicks, steal possessions, beamer punt ball. returns. Yeah, beamer ball. And the lunch pail uh, discipline of Bud Foster. That's what you're getting here with Connor, I'm really excited about what he can do almost right away in ways that we're maybe we're not thinking of 
but getting that nastiness back for the Chiefs on special teams. I totally agree. Special teams and his versatility are the two big things for me. And I'll start with the versatility, just backtracking a bit. It's a huge part of his game. Just look at the different things he did last year uh, and during his career at Virginia Tech. Last year specifically, he logged 279 snaps covering the slot, 253 snaps as a deep safety, and 121 snaps in the box uh, this past season. We talked to Brett Veach earlier today. He mentioned that he thinks Chamari could be a free safety, but he could also be a strong safety and be down low close to the line of scrimmage and be that big nickel kind of safety as well and be in the box. He can do a lot of different things for you, a very versatile player, but the special team stuff is probably where he'll make his biggest impact early on. Just a really good special teamer at Virginia Tech. Dane Brugler from The Athletic, one of the best draft analysts out there. He called him a special teams ace in college. He had over 800 snaps on special teams in college. You can't take that for granted because you can say, okay, here's a player who might not start. Let's just put him on special teams. It's hard, and to have experience doing it and a lot of experience doing it in college is a big deal. Uh, Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl, he's the executive director of the Senior Bowl, he put a video on Twitter of, I can't remember if it was a Senior Bowl itself or if it was just a Virginia Tech game, but Chamari goes deep down the field in punt coverage, makes a huge play, and is going crazy. He wasn't just a freshman. He was an established starter on Virginia Tech, but was fired up and excited about special teams. So it shows how much it means to him. And I asked him about it uh, when he was first drafted by the Chiefs on Saturday in a Zoom interview. I asked him, is special teams something that's important to you? And this is what he said. He said, I take so much pride in special teams. It's how I made my name for myself at Virginia Tech. My freshman year, I came in and was a four-phase player on special teams. I didn't redshirt. I was always that guy to get those special teams honors. I take it very seriously. Even outside of my freshman year, uh, that was always part of my career, flying down and making those big plays on special teams. I'll definitely carry that with me. The attitude that he has coming to this team, it isn't just, okay, I'll grind for a while on special teams and then I'll start on defense. Sure, I bet he's planning on that, but he is excited about special teams as well and realizes that he can change the game on special teams. So I'm very excited for Chamari Connor. Sure, what he can do on defense at some point, but also what he can immediately do on special teams. That's the uh, culture at Virginia Tech as well. Some people think of salad dressing, and that's special teams salad dressing. Sometimes it's the main course. And just go back and watch some video of the Chiefs in 2013, 14, 15, 16, and see how many games were won because of a huge special teams play. Oh, maybe Super Bowl 57 <laughs> and Kadarius Toney's punt return, the longest in Super Bowl history, comes to mind, or a block kick. It leads us into the next selection because I think this fits right in in another part of special teams, and that is B.J. Thompson, who ended his career at Stephen F. Austin after starting his career at Baylor. Now, for you kingdom defenders around the world, he is a player from England. He is from England. B.J. Thompson is from England. And so how about all the U.K. thinking, right? They're like, what? <laughs> Chiefs have a player from England? England, Arkansas. <laughs> he's, from, he's from England, Arkansas. Population 2,825. Again, he's, why do I like this guy so much? And here's why uh, sometimes in a small school, we've said this before, he was all state in basketball. In fact, he got college offers in basketball. Because uh, BJ's a large human, 6'6, 238. <laughs> uh, he won the state in triple jump at 6'6, three straight years in high school at England, Arkansas. 82 inch wingspan. He blocked three kicks when he was at Baylor a field goal, an extra point, and a point after touchdown. If we're talking about being explosive in special teams, welcome the newest chief from England, 
Arkansas, B.J. Thompson. I'm really excited about this guy just because of the explosive athletic traits that he has. Big-time speed from this dude, which is unique considering how big he is. Uh, he said he was six foot six, uh, pushing 240 pounds. Here's what Dane Brugler from The Athletic said about him. His speed and length make him a tough guy to keep blocked when he stays under control mid-rush. He's a developmental sub-package rusher reminiscent of Arden Key, who's a very good player uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So excited about this guy's length, his speed, his explosion, and his athleticism. He was productive at Stephen F. Austin. Uh, he had 33 and a half tackles for loss and 24 and a half sacks and five forced fumbles in 52 career games, 34 starts between his time at Baylor and Stephen F. Austin. Almost all of that was at Stephen F. Austin. So uh, big time traits from this guy that you'll see if maybe you get him in the weight room, put some weight on him a little bit uh, and see what you can get out of him. But I think early on, this guy can come in and some sub packages, uh, get after the passer with his speed. And also on special teams, like you said, uh, in one year, he blocked an extra point, a field goal and a punt back in 2018 while playing for Baylor. I'm thinking like Tano Passanio. Remember, That's he, an would, awesome comp, he would block exactly. stuff on special teams. Yep. That's kind of what this guy is, uh, and I'm excited what to see to see what he can do, um, not just on defense, but particularly special teams right away. You block a kick, it's like breaking the panada, the birthday party before <laughs> it starts. You block a PAT, it's like blowing out the candles on the birthday cake. It can be devastating at any level of football. And if the Chiefs get kick blocking back at, remember Jack Cochran's this close oh, last yeah. year, you bring a dude like this in there with that 82-inch wingspan, he's blocking kicks. You win games because of it. Just go back to what we said about Connor, uh, Chamari Connor. All right, the next guy, think about the Buffalo Bills here. Because Ed Oliver, the space-eating defensive lineman who's been a big part of the Buffalo Bills of late, went to the same high school as Keandre Coburn, Houston Westfield High School. Ed Oliver was kind of the big brother for Keandre here. But, and i got to be careful because, honestly, and you and I love to develop relationships with our players. Um, it, you know, when Tyreek Hill was traded, yeah, that was tough. And I said, we'll have a Super Bowl reunion and I'll give him a hug. When Colin Saunders comes back for two Super Bowl reunions, I'll give him hugs. And he's a New Orleans Saint right now. Love it, Colin. You deserve it. Way to go. Can't keep everybody. You, but I think we might have found somebody like a Colin Saunders. And by the way, I will never forgive Sean McVay, the head coach of the Rams. I should forgive him. Lord wants me to forgive him. I'm not going to forgive you, dude, for calling timeout because Colin Saunders is going to get a touchdown. We got it all set up. Then you see it and call timeout. It was Colin Saunders' big moment. You screwed it up. Now Colin goes to the Saints. But this guy, uh, Coburn, gets your attention. He looks a lot like a Colin Saunders. Durability, 45 games in four seasons for the University of Texas. We watch his video, and you get excited about the way he's just like Colin, playing the two-gap against the zone. Don't give up ground. Don't give up ground. Don't give rather than smash the guy. Uh, but this guy's already been endeared uh, to the Chiefs' kingdom because of the video and the interview you had with him. It was so cool. After he got <laughs> drafted, he was explaining – uh, how much it meant to him to be a chief. And he was like, you know, they just won the Super Bowl last year. Then he stopped himself and said, well, I guess we just won the Super Bowl last year because I'm a Kansas City chief. And he was so fired up. It was so cool. That's what it's all about in the end. These guys grind so much their whole life just to have this chance. And not only are you going to the NFL, but you're going to the reigning Super Bowl champions. I am wondering, who was the 190-pound guard uh, in high school that had to face Ed Oliver and Keandre Coburn uh, in high school? <laughs> 
Can you imagine? I, I, no, I don't. And he, <laughs> I mean, Houston's got great high school football. We know that. And Westfield, they were really tough. But to have those two guys together, it's like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. And what I love about it, uh, and it goes back to Colin Saunders, his rookie year. I was at an event with him. He brought his first child then. It was his, his older child now. And I just saw how much he loved that little uh, little child, and his lady was with him, and he was great at this event. That was before he even played a snap for the Chiefs coming out of Western Illinois. And then you see Keandre Coburn, the fact that he's almost late for the phone call because he's, like, working on the – the breast pump of his late for his lady because they have a new baby. He's cleaning it like, out. He's yeah. cleaning it out. And his hands like, were all wet, and he was getting a phone call, and he was trying to dry his hands, and it's the Chiefs calling. I'm going, <laughs> we got a Colin Saunders type here. But I can't wait to meet this guy. And he's got a chance to help the Chiefs right away, at the very least, uh, maybe be a part of the defensive line rotation. It's always tough with, like, draft grades and draft steals and all that because these guys haven't actually played yet. But the consensus was that this guy may have been one of the steals of the draft, getting him in the sixth round. Uh, like you said, six foot two, 332 pounds, big-time size and strength with this guy. And he's a prototypical nose tackle, a big guy right in the middle of the defensive line who's going to consume space, create push, and open up opportunities uh, for other players. What's interesting about him, too, though, is he has quite a motor on him because a lot of times with these really big guys, the physics of it is they can't stay on the field that much. They can't play a ton of snaps because they're huge and they exert a lot of energy. But not really the case with Keandre. Uh, he averaged 34.8 defense of snaps per game over his last 48 games uh, over the last four seasons and started 48 uh, consecutive games or played in 48 consecutive games rather so this guy played a ton of defense and was consistently on the field for Texas he wasn't the kind of guy that could only come in for a few snaps uh, then would come out so excited about Keandre and what he can do creating that push in the middle of the Chiefs defensive line the Chiefs defensive line here over the last two or three years, all of a sudden has a ton of depth. Young, athletic, powerful, strong depth. And I'm, I have big expectations for what they can achieve here coming up. For you Kingdom defenders around the world, you can start the over-under to see how many games it'll be till we get Keandre an offensive touchdown. He's number 99. so He looks just like Colin ready. Saunders on video, I'm telling you. <laughs> we may get a hungry pig passing Don Terry Poe jump pass. I don't know. This time, if he lines up as a wing and you're the opposing coach, don't do us a favor. Don't call timeout. Okay, don't ruin the moment, Sean McVay. Uh, so anyway, but we're excited to have Keandre Coburn here. You know what I want is the formation that we had in the Super Bowl on third and one when Isaiah got the 10-yard run, like the formation from like 1985 where yeah. you have two halfbacks. Uh, in the backfield. I want Danny Shelton and Keandre Coburn both in the backfield and to see what the defense does. Like, how do how do we handle this? And they're in like nickel. They have to call timeout. <laughs> exactly. Like, we have too many small guys. There's yeah. too many big guys. <laughs> He's not a small guy, but the seventh round pick for the Chiefs. And keep, keep in mind, we all look at seventh round picks like way differently around here, we right? Sure do. Because we're going to walk out in the hallway and we'll probably run into Isaiah Pacheco, okay? <laughs> um, or Jalen Watson uh, or Nazi Johnson. But to get Nick Jones out of Ball State, taller, leaner, great ball skills. Oh, and by the way, at Ball State, he blocked a kick and a punt. So one of the themes here of the class of 23 is I see some dudes that can affect a game even on an unscrimmage down, if that makes a non-scrimmage down play. Uh, but Nick Jones is athletic, and there's times where you look at video of his time at Ball State, 
He's an explosive player. He likes to jump routes. He'll make plays. He's coming off his best season uh, as a college player. He had 14 passes defensed last year and two interceptions in 11 games. Uh, those 14 passes defensed led the team and ranked 23rd among qualified cornerbacks in the FBS. Uh, Big-time uptick in his snaps and targets last year. He had 390 coverage snaps, 68 targets. He was targeted a ton, but among cornerbacks with 65 or more targets last year, he surrendered the fifth lowest completion percentage in the FBS at just 44%. So he was challenged quite a bit and came up with a lot of big plays uh, at Ball State. And he mentioned his special teams ability. This is from Dane Brugler. Uh, Jones was a regular on kick return and punt return coverages, including two blocked punts in his career. And this is from Lance Zierlein at NFL.com. Teams will appreciate his ability to challenge punts and kicks off the edge. So we're adding all these guys in here who can contribute maybe right away on special teams and really elevate that special teams group. I think Dave Tobe is going to love a bunch of these guys. But also, when you look at the positions the Chiefs identified in this draft, it's premium positions, things like edge rusher, wide receiver, defensive tackle, getting a jack-of-all-trades safety type in Shamari Connor, and then capping it all off with a six-foot-tall athletic corner with ball skills to come in here and compete with already a very young and athletic group. I just really like the value here of adding Nick Jones at the very end of the draft. Bring him in here and see what he can do. And again, the to me, special teams just oozes out of these guys. And for the Chiefs to kind of regain that explosiveness in special teams, special teams, folks, is not salad dressing. Sometimes it can be the main course and it can be the tipping point of winning a key game and getting you back to the Super Bowl. He's Matt McMullen. I'm Mitch Holtis. Defending the Kingdom is brought to you by Ticketmaster. And Matt and I present to you the Kansas City Chiefs Kingdom Class of 2023. Ten, five, touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins at Arrowhead.